I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And this is Track Walking. Today, Seth has a topic. Seth, I do have a topic. I actually I actually told Scott, I'm like, I want to do a topic show this week plans. where we like actually. Like, you know how we're getting into it? You know the segue? I do. Like, I'm, I'm totally structured. But I had to change it a little bit because I had kind of a really good day at the track yesterday. Mm. And so I'm going to talk about that and then use that as my segue. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So the the go-kart track next to my house um, for the second time did a bikes only day. And yep. they do this when there's a race going on at the, the other track in town. So nobody wants to come out and drive carts anyway. So since the track is empty, they'll just have bikers give them money to use it. So it's it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, clearly. Um, the last time we did it, we had about... I would say 35 people out there and it was from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Just a ball pit of motorcycles. Um, like how, how physically long is this track? I don't think I've ever asked. I assume it's under um, a mile. It's, it's about, a, it's a, yeah, it's a little bit under a mile. So okay. lap times are like the fastest world superbike riders in the world can break a minute. Okay. Um, normal humans like Sonia is down to on her fast, fast bike is down to a minute four. Um, when I'm riding my XR 100, I'm running minute 15s. Okay. So if that lets you know, like, like sure. minute, minute 15, a lap is kind of probably an average around there okay. for if you get a big group of people. And so the last time we did it was, it was literally, literally like if you've ever been in an Ikea and there's that place where you drop off your kids. Yep. And it's just like a room of ball pits and you look in there and you're like, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. Here's every, here's all the energy in this one room. Yeah. But the kids are having a ball, right? Yeah. Like that's the Literally. best thing they've ever done. And that's what the track was. Um, this was when we did it like six weeks ago. It's just that some of us were the parents looking on from the outside going, this is horrific. I, I was need... I was going to ask who the parents were in this situation. <laughs> it was just the 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 I'll say the seasoned riders, the riders who had been around like proper proper track days with proper structure and groups and things like that. And so we could we could notice the fact that when you had a group of you know five or six guys on fast motorcycles playing race simulation on the track at the same time, you had a dad leading his seven year old around on a bike there were some some conflicts of energy out there and everybody behaved and nobody got hurt and there was only like two crashes all day and those were self-inflicted on the people that did them um but all of us were a little sketched out or not all of us there was a couple of us that were definitely sketched out and so everybody came to me and they were like we need to do something different and i was like okay cool this is not my circus like <laughs> cool sounds good have fun yeah and so I talked to the guys at the track and um, we came up with an idea that we would run two different color sessions. We'd run a green session and a yellow session. And there's no, no person would tell you what session you should be in. 
you had to make that decision yourself. And you gave them the colors green and yellow, and you green think and yellow. And, and there's going to pick yellow. Okay, so the green so the reason the reason session. I did that is green green is the go session, right? And and there was there needed to be some sorting out. And the reason I picked green and yellow is because yellow is sort of like the everybody knows yellow is a little bit caution, right? And that's what I wanted. I didn't want people to think slow. I wanted to think this is the session you're going to be careful in, whether it's because you're a new person or you're on a slower bike or there's kids out there. The expectation is if you go out and you see a yellow flag, like be careful, right? It's not about speed. It's about a a relative level of caution. Maybe is how I presented it to everyone. Okay. And, and definitely every, (laughs) like everybody was like, dude, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a green rider. Fast. I'm awesome at this. I'm in like hundred track days. I go 700 miles an hour on the freeway. I'm a green guy. And and it was like that for the first couple sessions. And then actually the groups separated out really, really well. And all I really wanted to do was keep like the 10 fastest guys away from the 10 slowest guys. Sure. And if you could do that, everybody in the middle could kind of do whatever they wanted because, you know, the people in the middle could kind of ride with the slow group or the fast group, depending on how they were comfortable. Or where the Did, most track space was. Or there's the most track space and that sort of thing. Because when you get... It would be kind of like if you imagine a track day at Ginger at Gingerman and you were like, okay, eight hours of open track and there's 50 guys here. Go. That would be a, it would be difficult, right? Without, yep. without any structure, it would be difficult. And, and if all you did was go, cool, we, we really kind of want to separate the B-spec cars from the ZR1 Corvettes. I, and I wouldn't even, that wouldn't be where I would separate or how I would separate them necessarily. Right. Um, but but I, I, I see what, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, because they're in, and, and that's, and that's the reason I let people do it themselves because it's a combination of like outright speed and experience. And it's never just one thing right. or the other, but anyway, it worked. It actually worked really, really well. And what I wanted to do was focus the day on sort of a cultural thing like like we wanted to build the culture of the motorcycle group and so if we could we could do this in a way that was safe everybody could be happy and we could all be friends and we could like have it be a big track hang day rather than a let's see how fast we can go day so i like that somebody approached you to take care of this and you're like huh have fun but then you went and talked to the track guys and you presented this idea to the drivers Right. And guess who was the dude who did flags all day? I, I'm presuming you. I am the only person who touched a flag all day. Yeah. So that leads me to the fact that I was, not take, yeah, I was not taking care of myself all day. Every 20 minutes I was flagging, you know, checkering the session just to, to get people to, to notice what was going on. Swapping from yellow to green. I, would, I was riding in both sessions because the dad and me is like, all right, I got to keep it, keep an eye on everybody. So I'd go out and I'd ride with people and make sure people are being good. And I feel like Jabay should be on this episode because that, yeah. I think he could, uh, I think he could relate quite a bit to. Yeah. You just, you're, you're like, if, if everybody can stay safe and be nice, this will be the greatest thing in the world. And I'm going to spend the entire day worried about that happening. Um, 
And so like, I didn't, I didn't drink enough and I never really took my leathers off. So I'm wearing around this, this cow suit of leather. And for those of you up North who are, it's snowing, you're like, so what? And it was a, it was 80 degrees. It was warm. And so by the time I got home, I was a pie. It was a dehydrated pile of goo. And, um, so I ended up, uh, eating dinner, going to bed. That makes getting more, up. That makes more sense about what happened this morning then. Yeah, so I, I, I ate dinner. I went to bed. I laid there. I was like, horizontal's bad. Woke up, barfed up my dinner. Because my body was like, you are not like physiologically in any position, in any position to digest food right now. Not gonna happen. And then uh, went back to bed and got up this morning and it felt kind of terrible all day. So there's a moral to the story, and I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> You're, I would classify you as a pretty good storyteller by and large. Not, not one of your best. <laughs> no, because no, because well, I, I kind of wanted to use that that as a as a segue. Um, well, I just to, I, just real quick to recap: you went to a track day. There's all the people there. Someone approached you to do a job you didn't want to do, but you did it anyway. Didn't take care of yourself in the process. Went home and barfed. Yeah, that was that was my day. Had a really good time though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Motorcycles. Woo! Yeah, all right. So the the thing about being the dude in charge, whether you want to be or not, is as soon as you are identified as the person in charge, people think you know things. Like I, I had people asking me about, uh, yeah, what do you think about these motors? I don't, I don't know. I don't actually care. Like, <laughs> not relevant. Uh, what kind of oil do you use? Cheap stuff from Walmart. Like, like people just asking me motorcycle questions. People asking me what the track schedule was. Like questions that there's no way I should have any business or knowledge to answer simply because I was the only person there who was like in their perception, in charge. It was terrible. You know what I just thought about that would be helpful is for anybody in charge, Jabay, any of the uh, grid workers, staff, anybody, they should really just have like on their shirt sleeve, on the back, and maybe on a name tag on the front, a QR code. That's just like a frequently asked question. <laughs> like it would be amazing. Like so, if somebody comes up to you and asks you something, I'm like, I'm sorry, I've I've got to go here. Take you got yeah, got that good. Okay, take care. And just yeah, like what tire pressure should I start at? Stick your arm out. It's yeah. on there. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> wrong question. Second of all, have a great day. <laughs> right. Okay. So so what happens is is when you're in charge, you know, like people want to know what the lines are on the track. Yeah, it's on and on and on. And and so we've just you and I have discussed this a little bit off air before. There is people, especially when they're beginning, want the answer about how to do it right and the answer about how to go fast. And they want to find a person who they believe has the answer for how to do this thing that they want to do. 
Yes. And, and everybody, especially when they're starting out, really wants to find a guru. This, this person who is going to, they're going to climb up the mountain and they're going to be like, oh, motorcycle driving guy, please tell me the tire pressure and the correct line. And now I will be fast like you. And they, you know, bow down and they sit there with their legs crossed and they expect you to be like 18 PSI, early apex corner three, go. Yeah, right. And, and that's really what they're looking for, right? Everybody is looking for this, this driving guru to make their life better when they're learning how to do stuff, especially when they're learning how to do stuff. Um. And I think that's problematic, but I don't really have a good solution for it. So I was trying to recall the phrase, and I cannot, for the life of me right now. So I'm going to just try to describe the concept and hope that it comes to me. Okay. There's, there's a concept of... Gosh, I, w- I wish I knew it because then I could just say it and go from there. That when we are infants and in our caretaker's care, we are wholly dependent on them. And that there is, especially like within the first few days, there's like this, that the infant and the mother or father or whoever is taking care of the baby is one in the baby's eyes. Like, there's no distinction between me, this brand new newborn, and the person taking care of me. And it's only slowly over time that we begin to realize that we are alone, ultimately. That the food that's given to us is not given to us all the time. That this person who takes care of me is not taking care of me all the time. And then you learn how to go to the bathroom by yourself. You learn how to pick out and dress yourself. You start to go to school and hang out with your friends separate from your caretakers. And it, you know, just, you keep getting farther and farther and farther. And there's, so there's always like a divorce constantly happening. Every, like every day. And that is deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> it is terrifying. It's unsettling um, because we want to be cared for. We want to be taken care of. We want to be have the way shown to us because that is safe. That gives us direction. And there's, I think social media just amplifies this, that there's a disconnect because we feel this deeply every day. On, and we've learned to cope with it. But we think that we're the only ones. So okay. I can, I feel like I'm on an island because I'm lonely and I'm hurt. And, you know, I, I'm not being taken care of and I'm not being given the answer all the time. I'm not being given the answer most of the time, if we're being honest. But then I think I'm the only one and everybody else has something that I lack. And 
we're constantly, and, and that's kind of the phrase I was looking for is we want to fill this, this feeling of lacking something. Okay. And yeah. that's where we're looking for that guru figure. Yes. We are okay. looking for the person who is undivorced, who has wholeness, who f- has all of their needs met and therefore can meet ours as well. But the dirty secret, like I think you're getting on, is nobody is undivorced. Everybody lacks. And so I think how you manage that relationship is can be very treacherous and it needs to be done with care because of what some people can bring into it can be damaging. And, and that's really what I wanted to talk about is that, is that transition thing. And the, the easiest explanation is sort of like the first time you, somebody shows up at a track day, say they've done like two autocrosses they show up at a track day and they're like, what, what air pressure should I run? Cause that's the, that's the most common question, right? What air pressure should I run? And certainly, you know, that that is like the most nuanced question you could ask anybody. Yeah. It's a wrong question, but yes. Right. But, but they need, but they need an answer, right? They need to know, like, do I need 28? Do I need 32? Like I is 40 enough is 40. And so they don't need you to teach them to take tire temperatures. Sure. They need a pressure so that they can have that not be in their mind so that they can go drive the car. So that they can do something else. Yeah. They really do in, in this moment, they need a guru, someone to say, put your tires at this pressure and you will be okay so that you can learn the rest of the things you need to learn today. Sure. Um, and then the more, the farther down that they get, they figure out that they don't need to know the pressure. They need to know how to find what the right pressure will be on a given day with given tires, that sort of thing. And then the farther down that they are, they know that they never have the right pressure because you're like hour to hour during the day, you are always searching for that thing. So you go from, you know, desiring a certain answer to learning how to search for the answer to knowing that the answer is unknowable. Yeah. And that really the ideal pressure varies from corner to corner, straight to straight. Like if you could have automatically (laughs) inflating and deflating tires depending on load and track position and things like that, like that would be money. Somebody invent that. Right. But but in that moment in that first moment for tire pressures, they need a guru. And that's we we talked about something like this at some point about how teachers are good liars. Yeah. The teaching is lying. Like when somebody asks you, what tire pressure do I run? Yeah, you lie and say, this is easy so that you can do this. This right. is easy. We'll complicate it later. <laughs> Just, yeah. Do you know okay. what colored flags are <laughs> <to be laughs> right. the next, next conversation? So 
So I've now gotten you to admit out loud oh, shit. That, that there that there's a moment in everybody's and it's an evolving moment where somebody needs a guru, just needs an answer to this question such that they can do other things. They need a guru in their lives. No, I disagree. Yeah? No, you did. You told me that. Was, no. you, you said that's okay. The, <laughs> the guru to who? Does the guru think they're a guru? or does well, that's, the... that's what we're getting at. Okay. That's where I'm going. Because you... We, we talk too much. All of a sudden, like, we agree on everything. <laughs> because you don't want to be the person that that person needs in that moment. I mean, kind of like my, my part, part of, I, I like helping people. So right. it's like, I, I don't mind like answering and helping out and stuff like that. Like I wouldn't mind like, like it's not that being needed, but it's like if I have, if I can be of use and help to people like, yeah, that's, that feels okay. But I don't want to be a guru, nor do I think anybody is a guru. Now, I wouldn't mind being what's called the last guru. And the last guru is the last guru that somebody that somebody places that on you, that you are their guru. And that over time, you show them that there is no guru. <laughs> that there. I think. Ev- I think everybody figures that out, right? I don't think so. I, think used, pe- I used to think that. I don't think that anymore. I think there's people in the uh, grid life paddock who look at you as a guru. I, I get it. I. I am as lacking as anybody else, more so than some, less some than others. Um, but I, yeah, again, it's it's the notion of a guru, I think, is like you go to this person, like you said, for the answers, for right. guidance. Like, show me the path, show me the way so that I can like go there and do this thing. But like that's that's not how you do life. <laughs> like you, it, it it just it doesn't work to go to anyone else and say, "Hey, I've got this situation. What do I do? And then what do I eat for dinner? And then what time? How much sleep should I get? Per, like nope, nobody knows. Like you you have to figure out all this on your own." But you're also assuming that this guru, that this teacher, this person that you're placing all your hopes and dreams on, you're hoping one day that you will be them or what you think they are. Right. Is Everybody that, wants to be Scott Robertson. Good I mean. God, I don't want it. That, <laughs> that bothers me deeply. <laughs> um, but like you, you want what that person represents to you. That person represents wholeness, knowledge, um, it, all of that. That they right. don't lack anything and that I want to get there. And that's part of what the last guru does is they show you you don't want that because nobody has it. And actually, 
that the real trick is in trying to figure all this stuff out. That the the joy and the pleasure isn't in knowing the answers in um in finding like this one way to do this thing. It's in struggling and doing the work and putting in the effort. Like that is the thing, not what you get out of it. So I would say that 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 all of those initial uh, relationships, um, you with your students, that sort of thing, all start as guru type relationships. And ideally, if the world is going well, actually, if the world is going well, they'll go find another guru and you don't have to worry about it. But, but more realistically, it, if, if you do your job well and, and they're in a good place emotionally and all that stuff, it can change from a guru relationship where they want an answer to a mentor relationship where they want to not get an answer from you, but to learn about the process from you. They want the conversation. And yeah. And, and that's, and that's where I think there's a fundamental difference. We, we talk a lot about you and I talk a lot about, you know, more of a mentor relationship with students um, because that's, that's ideal because they're going to learn about the process from you. They're going to learn about, it's not just about, you know, you know, putting the car here on track, turning in here, apexing here. It's about all of how you feel the car under braking, how you release the brake, what the car feels like when it turns in, you know, where you can put the power on all those nuances to a corner are beyond just like turn in apex exit. And the thing is you can't teach people nuances until you have, have like said, do this thing and they can do like the basics of it. And then we can, then you can start to work that. So I think the relationship actually fundamentally has to start as, as a guru type relationship um, just because it's, it's a trust thing at that point. Mm -hmm. And then it has to evolve into uh, a mentor type relationship where you help them learn. And I, and I think the reason you and I like the mentor relationship better is because we like learning from people as they learn from us. Yeah. And that, and this, this is totally would just be a, a term thing for me. I'm not sure I would call that a mentor relationship at a certain point. It's just like a, relationship like a friendship or some something but yeah more well, I, more of like yeah we both learn from each other i'm helping you with this and you're helping me with that you shortcutted me i was going to go to step three there where you oh. become peers and it becomes a fully there mutual thing peers i see yeah, right I and and that was the and, and that's the that's the final destination where it, it's a it's a fully a fully mutual thing where you know you you talk to people in paddock as peers and you are continually in a process of learning from each other um and that's that's always been the interesting thing to me about like given authority which i think especially in the paddock is something like basically we're given a name and a phone number and maybe what car they drive and we basically like cold call these students like the week <laughs> of the event, like, Hey, my name's Scott. 
I know your name, I know your phone number, and I might know what car you drive, but I'm responsible <laughs> for you on some level for this entire weekend. And for the most part, there's been a few exceptions. For the most part, they're like, I'm in your hands. Like, they haven't said this, but like, yeah, totally. Like, you're you're the instructor. You know these things. Like, you're there's nothing wrong with you at all. And <laughs> little do they know, like, we're fucked up. I mean, like, all the right. instructors, like, we're, we're, we're hanging on. We're doing okay. We, we know a few things, but like. But even from a driving standpoint, you're going to spend, you know, you're going to go into the, the whole weekend struggling. Yeah. From like, like you're supposed to help someone learn to drive yeah. in an environment where you are going to literally in your own eyes, going to spend the entire weekend struggling to drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a mess. It's the, it's the cult of not answers, but struggle. Like that. Don't let me show you a good time. Let me show you how to struggle with this hobby we all love and for some reason enjoy. Right. Yeah. But I think the reason that you don't like the the guru title makes you uncomfortable is because keep, keep pushing. You're doing good. You don't you don't get anything valuable out of being a guru to someone. It doesn't do anything for Scott. Ooh, I like this. Keep going. And you don't start to benefit in those relationships until they become more equal. Not that you want something from somebody, but, uh, but you know, the, the media, the mid-level, um, mentor type relationship or, you know, the full peer type relationship allows you to, to talk and interact with people that, that actually, like increases you as a person, increases your knowledge, increases even the act of teaching someone on that next level increases like what you know. And so you get something back out of those relationships and you get nothing out of a guru relationship. It's been a while since we've had a podcast where I've had a light bulb. <laughs> this is good. Um, I think the other thing would be too that it's, it's hard to meet somebody when they are so dependent on you or on anybody because they don't know what they don't know. They're just there and wide-eyed and doe and like doe-eyed headlights and they just don't know which way to go what to do and it's hard to get to know somebody like you're really almost in crisis management for most of like the f a first track weekend 100 percent. Right. like you're just trying to help them not die 100 percent. that's it and maybe off track at night or like in your conversations like you can start to get to know them a little bit but for most of the time like the first one or two maybe three times like just crisis management and it's hard to get to know somebody when they feel like they're completely out of their element that they're bad at something or that they're about to die or maybe <laughs> all three at the same time this is this is probably true yeah um and so it's hard to get that lowercase e ego from them like it's hard to know a person 
when they are like when their Maslow's hierarchy of needs is not, I don't need a relationship and share my story. I need to know what these flags mean. I need to not blow the blend line and I need to give good, clear point buys. And that's like all, uh, all a few students can manage for like the first few sessions, which is good and proper because like you need to do those things, but But you have to do those things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be able to like, like where are the flag stations? Yes. Flag (laughs) stations. Yeah. And, and I, I, I always say it in order. Don't blow the blend line. Give good good waves on the warm up and cool down laps. Pay attention to the flaggers, and give good point buys. Like that's almost day one. <laughs> Just doing these no, like, it, four things. It is day one, and and I distinctly remember. Um, so I always recommend everybody do a do a full weekend. Um, everybody's yes. like, oh, I just want to do Saturday. No. I just want to do Sunday, and I always recommend everybody does a full weekend because in that first day like you get done with that first day and everybody gets to like 6:30 at night and they're like I have to go to bed now. Yeah. I'm so tired. My brain is just it's forming 10 million neural connections a second and I need to go rest. I need some fish oil and I need to go sleep for 8 hours. Yeah, and it's or whatever is good for your brain. I know it's fish oil and something else. Something like that, yeah. And and so that that process of sleeping and building those neural connections is really really important. And then getting up and doing using those new connections the next day, being able to go out on track, not blow the blend line seeing those because you're doing the same track the next day. So being able to see those corner worker stations, wave at those corner workers and it, and it builds all of those things. And inevitably the second day is less mentally fatiguing than the first day. So much. easier. Um, and so I always recommend everybody do a two day thing in, in cars because I think it's super valuable. Um, so when you've, you've had students, some students for a while, right? Yes. When in that relationship, do you start to have fun with it? Sometimes it's day two. Okay. Um, certainly by weekend two or three, uh, we okay. s- start being able to jive a little bit, but it really, it really depends. Um, and I'm I'm trying to get better so that not necessarily so I can get that relationship there faster, but I'm working on the drills that I give my beginners and working on their language and ability to um like to give feedback. I guess on what they felt that they've got to be able to feel the car and describe what's happening, even if it's on a super basic level. So the, the drills that I give people, I'd like, I'd love to give on a skid pad rather than a racetrack. Gingerman, please, for the love of God, make a skid pad. Um, but you know, we've got to work with what we've got and two or three of the drills that I have are basically asking them to do the quote unquote wrong thing 
on track. Because if we immediately start like wanting to hone in on like the quote unquote right line, how to do this, like this is what you want to do before somebody has like the range of experiences and when the car does this, this happens. When I do this, X, Y, and Z follow it. Like until they have those experiences and those feelings, it's Andy Hollis, you know, make big changes. Right. You don't know what a sway bar can do for you until you disconnect it and put it on the stiffest setting in the same session. Do it. <laughs> yes, it'll be terrible. And <laughs> one one of them will be terrible. Maybe both of them. Um, but you don't know, like, in your car on that particular day with those particular blah, 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 you don't know. And so I intentionally go out and I tell my students, I want you to do, like, do a warm-up lap. Then I want two laps of you really doing X. Now I want you to do two laps of really doing Y. And then with the rest of your time, blend the two. See see if you can start honing it down in between. Like, but And by and large they come back with wider eyes and it's like, oh, when I do a late apex, so I turn in early, I can carry a lot of speed in to the corner. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. And they're like, but then I go out to the outside of the track after the apex really quickly. I'm like, yep. Yep. But that's useful because some corners you need that on. Um. But until they have it, and then all of a sudden, then we can start talking about, well, what do you think about this complex of corners? What would like the overall theory or the overall idea be for why you would want to do this type of apex or this type of line through this corner and transition into this one based on your experiences and looking at a track map? See, you like talking about this. Yes. You like talking about teaching on this level, but you hate talking about telling somebody what to do. Yes. I do. You're 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 a fun guy, Scott. So how do we how do we acknowledge the fact though that that in that first day, in that first weekend, sometimes people, you know, longer than that need like just need answers and need a little bit of coddling and need like they need yeah. a guru how do people like you and i deal with the the fact that that's even though we don't like that that is reality i i would imagine you do the same as basically like reassuring them that i need you to do this for right now there's more to come like that this like what i'm telling you to do now is not all that driving is is not all of what's being on track, but we need, I need to be sure I can trust you and that the people around you can trust you. And then we can start having more fun and kind of playing around with the car and feeling things out. But for now, I, I tell them, you know, you, you can, you can talk about beginning of breaking points if you want to. And I, tell my students point blank 
I don't care where you start breaking. Like that, that is hardly ever a conversation I'm interested in having. But why is that? We'll get there. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't tell you right now. But it's like, I don't want you like pulling out your, <laughs> your, your late breaking penis to, to show the world. Or if you're a woman, whatever boobs i don't know whatever this has got Wait, weird breaking boobs this is i don't think we need to talk about this guy. this is getting weird um yeah but it's like you don't you don't need to show that to like show that you're the better driver that is not what this is about so it's like for right now safety like you have to do these things right and and that for me is really like it's it's a safety thing more than anything else like if the, we were in a massive field by ourselves and like i had no liability whatsoever I don't know, like, go have fun, just <laughs> go frolic, but it's like, we're on a track that, like, you kind of have to follow, and there are people next to the track with flags who are communicating to you, and you need to know what they're saying, when they're saying it, Right. there are other cars out there that need to be able to trust you, and you need to be able to trust them, and you guys need to communicate, like, there's a whole lot of, like, first step things. Like yeah. handshake sort of things before you can get to the rest. I think I have a particular corner sequence uh, at the cart track that I have a little, that I have trouble with when people ask me about it because it's uh, three S's and then uh, a double apex, not a, not a big one, but a, but a double apex that leads onto the big straight. Okay. And so Everybody wants to ask me, they're like, how do you go through that? Um, because, and I don't want to sound like the guy who's an a-hole, but I can, I can go through that complex faster than you know, like 90% of the people that, that do that because there's, it's a confidence thing, whatever. Sure. But because I've driven 10,000 laps there, right? But the thing I always tell them, because the truth of the thing is, they're, they're like, what should I do through there? I'm like, doesn't matter. Completely irrelevant. All that matters is how you exit the last corner. True. Because the speed onto the straight, like nothing else in that matters if you can figure out how to get onto that straight fast. And nobody wants to hear that. Fair. And I don't know how to answer that question better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have people just wander away from like clearly they're like you didn't give like I came to you for an answer yep. and you didn't give me an answer and now I'm going to wander away and I don't know what to do yeah but they don't I, I don't think in those moments people wander away thinking wow yeah he's he's like a few steps ahead here like no he's he doesn't have the answer I'm right. gonna go find the person with the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can see it. Yeah, it's it's really like grass is greener over there. Like everybody, like this this person has nicer grass than I do. They've got a better house. They've got it more together than I do. And uh, we really don't, Seth. No, because you because like even in that corner sequence, you just didn't drink water like toddlers are told. Yeah, I God. mean, yeah, 
I, I got yelled at by my 16 year old when she came home and she went to unload stuff and she's like, why is your water bottle still full? Good. It's like crap. Yeah. That's <laughs> fair. Yeah. We're, um, we're adult toddlers. Yeah, we are. We're terrible at this, but, uh, so every, everybody, everybody wants a guru, Scott. What are we going to do about that? We have I, to be that guru in some moments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to put the sign out front saying, "Come on in." I ha- <laughs> we we have what you need, and then knowing that you're lying to them, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I I have the answers, not for nothing. I I know none of the answers <laughs> um, because there are no answers. Yeah, well, and, and that's <laughs> that's the thing. Like, at first you don't know what you don't know, then you know what you don't know and then you eventually just accept the fact that you'll never know everything there is no knowing but you know a few things yeah Yeah. well gurus gurus yeah i'm still uncomfortable with it like i'm deeply uncomfortable um being the guy in charge being any sort of uh people looking at me like you know the answer to this thing. So I'm like, you can see it in their eyes when they walk up to you. You're also a, a caretaker too. So like that's, right. that's a different relationship than the one that you want to, to have. You, you don't, you don't want to be like pointing like, Oh yeah, you need to go do this. Oh yeah. You need to know this. Oh yeah. Talk to so-and-so like you want to be like, but how are you? Are right. you having a good time? And if not, what can I do to make you have a good time? That was my biggest, my biggest personal failure, if you will, from from driving or from from doing the event yesterday, was that I didn't have enough time to go make sure everybody was okay. Yep. Um, because they were just too spread out in paddock, and every twenty minutes I had to wave the flag, so there was only so much I could do. Um, and. Yeah, I, I felt bad. I was like, next time I have to have somebody else wave the flag so I can go talk to people, even though I don't. Like, part of me doesn't want to. Like, I wish I could just be anonymous and sit there and ride my motorcycle. But also, if that's what I do, how will I know that everybody's having a good time? We are at Track Walking Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I, lo- I love ending on a question. At Track Walking Chats is the Facebook group. Uh, rate, review us on whatever platform. If you haven't, please do. It does help, I guess. And um, yeah, otherwise we'll be back next week with uh, Scott pulling his hair out, trying to get things ready for AMP. It's going to be so fun. I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. We're track walking. We'll talk to you next week.